0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. This is one of those passages where, what in the world does that mean? We're going to try to get some understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll read one verse of scripture. Um, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head. And here's the phrase, because of the angels. What do angels have anything to do with a woman having power on her head? We're going to try to answer that question tonight. And as we answer it, I'd like us to get two places in our Bible. Let's get Isaiah chapter number 14 and then the book of Jude. Isaiah 14 and the book of Jude. Should have asked you to get your spot there earlier before we started, but that's all right. We can get there right now. Isaiah 14. And the book of Jude. You're going to need to keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. But let's start in Isaiah 14. Watch what the Bible says in verse number 12. How art thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. This is the chapter and verse where you get your first like. (laughs) You get them all over on social media. People like to get likes because they feel good when they get the like. You put a put po- people put posts nowadays, and man, somebody likes it, they just are so excited. You know what Lucifer wanted? He wanted to be like the Most High. And pride was his fall. He didn't like the position that he was given by God who created him. You know, First Corinthians eleven. If you were to sum up the whole chapter, there's a few ways to sum up, but one of it is, men and women aren't satisfied with the position that God has given them, and this is why these verses, this chapter, First Corinthians chapter eleven, is in the Bible. People say, "Well, what's the big deal about?" And God says, "The big deal is, this is the position that I've given." Concerning headship concerning authority Consent concerning long hair Versus short hair Second Corinthians Chapter 11 you don't have to turn there But verse 14 says and no marvel For Satan himself is Transformed into an angel Of light Lucifer you know what it means To bring light he was The light bearer He assumes a False Uh, A a false position if you will To deceive He is the great deceiver Now let's go over to Jude Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 11 But let's go to the book of Jude And it's in verse number 6 we'll read The Bible says And the angels which kept not their first estate But left their own habitation He hath reserved into everlasting chains under darkness. Imagine that. The light bearer, Lucifer, kept under darkness, under the judgment, unto the judgment of the great day. But here we have in Jude 6, we see that Lucifer had followers. He wasn't the only fallen angel. He was the angel that fell and then the others followed him in failure. And Lucifer is a fallen angel, he's the great deceiver, he's the light bearer, and when he fell, he said, I had I, I have to be like God, I don't like my position, God. When he fell, he took followers, he took followers. I hate to tie this back to the social media uh, comment I made earlier, but I find it to be ironic that In the social media nowadays, you know what you do? You like, and then you know what else you can do? You can click follow. I'm going to follow. And I say that to say, you and I have to be careful who we like. You and I have to be careful who we follow. First Corinthians chapter 11 talks about headship. If we follow the wrong leader, we're going to get ourselves in a mess. And this is what happened with Lucifer, the fallen angel. He had angels that followed him and they all fell. It says the angels which kept not their first estate. You know what Jude 6 tells us? They weren't satisfied with the position that God had given them. All right, let's go to another thought. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and Luke 15 to get this thought. Go to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter one and Luke chapter number 15. Get our finger in both places and then we will move on. First Peter one and Luke chapter number 15. We'll start in first Peter. We'll do that first. First Peter one. Let's move on down to verse number 12. Bible says, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Now watch this last phrase, which things the angels desire to look into ever since the fall. Of man, not the fall of angels. God's plan of redemption is for fallen uh, human beings. It's not for fallen angelic beings. There's a difference. We are human beings. We are not angelic beings. But God's plan of redemption since the fall, angels have desired to look into that. We see that in First Peter chapter number one. They, their desire to watch this glorious plan this wonderful plan of God's redemption play out angels are watching why do we do what we do we could say because of the angels because in first peter chapter number one verse number 12 which things the angels desire to look into Look at the middle of that verse, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. They take an interest. They take a desire to look down and see God's plan of redemption for mankind play out. Look at Luke chapter 15. I think you'll find this verse familiar. We'll try to draw out a truth here. Luke 15, verse number 10, the Bible says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. How many of you have heard that verse before? That's a very familiar passage. Who started the joy? Look at the verse. Actually, let's back up. Let's go to verse number, six, uh, verse number four in Luke 15. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Who's initiating the joy in that first part of the parable? That'd be the shepherd of the lost sheep. Who does he call over? His friends and his neighbors, and what do they do? They rejoice with him. Watch verse number seven. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one uh, one sinner that repented, more than over ninety and nine just persons. Which need no repentance. Look at verse 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver. If she lose one piece. Doth not light a candle. And sweep the house. And seek diligently till she find it. When she hath found it. She calleth her friends and her neighbors. Together saying. Rejoice with me. For I have found this piece. I have found the piece. Which I have lost. Who started. The joy and the rejoicing. It'd be the woman that lost the lost that lost the the, the the piece of silver, right? And she calls over her friends and her neighbors, and they rejoice with her. What's what's the first verse that we read out of it? Verse number ten. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God. Over one sinner. That repented. I said all that to say. The rejoicing in that verse. Starts with the Lord. And just like the shepherd of the lost sheep. Just like the woman who lost that piece of silver. And they called over their friends. And they called over their neighbors. When a sinner repents. The Lord is rejoicing. And he knows who's in the presence. The angels. And you know what they're doing? The same thing. Rejoicing over a sinner. That repents. The angels join with. Them. This redemption plan. The angels have a keen interest in. When you and I are witnessing. When a sinner gets saved. The Lord initiates the rejoicing. But there's angels. That are. Participating in a big way. If husbands, if you're happy and your wife is happy with you, you know why she's happy? Because she's interested in what you're happy about. Wives, if you're happy and your husband is happy, it's typically because he's happy, because he's interested in what you are happy about. That's how relationships work. And the angels are watching and they're interested and they find joy over sinners that repent. Why witness? Because of the angels. They desire to watch the playing out of God's redemptive plan. Why preach repentance? Because of the angels. They look with desire and they have joy over one sinner that repents. You're not saved tonight. Why not give the angels a chance to rejoice? Why not give them a chance to rejoice? They don't rejoice over sinful men. They don't rejoice over the sins that sinful men do. They rejoice over one sinner that repents and trusts the Lord. They're watching. And they desire to see God's redemptive plan play out. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 9. For I think that God hath set forth unto us the apostles last as it were appointed to death for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. It says made a spectacle. Remember that, you know, that uh, Rand Paul had said, you know, the, the, the whole mass when he's going drilling, drilling Fauci, he says, would you, what is it with all this theater? And and Fauci's response, of course, is, "Oh, here we go again with the theater." You know what he's trying to point out is that you're putting up this 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 stage, this theater for, and you're getting people involved, and you're trying to create a facade, a theater here, for just all the world to sit back and watch. And so they're they're arguing back and forth about that. But you know what this verse says. We, that's Christians, Paul's speaking here under Holy Spirit's inspiration, are made a spectacle unto the world. There was a spectacle in the amphitheater that Roman Colosseum where Christians were fed the lions for theater, for entertainment. Under the rule of Nero and all the rest of these guys, now, praise God, we don't have to go through that. Praise God, the world's a different place, at least here, and at least right now. You had in the Roman theater, the amphitheater, you had gladiator men fighting. Most of the time, to the death. And the, and the, the theater's filled with people and they're watching. It's a spectators. It's a it's a spectator as spectators, it's a spectacle for them to watch. How many of you would like to be a gladiator where you knew if you didn't win, you would die? Any of you young fellows want to sign up for that one? If you wanted to quit. They said you put up your finger or you hold up your hand or your finger and that would signify that the other gladiator won. And it said that the way that that thing would move would be based upon the spectators and what their response would be, if they would accept it or not. So there was a chance that if you were defeated and even if you put your finger up or your hand up, the crowd could turn the course. And you would have to continue fighting against the man that you have already submitted, that he's a stronger opponent. Men gave their lives. Christians gave their lives. It says, let's look at the verse again. For I think that God had set forth us, the apostles, last as it were appointed to death. This world watches us like it's a theater to him. Same way, Paul. Trials, imprisonments, stonings, just go on down the line. It's almost like. We as Christians, we're theater to the world. And they look at Paul and they looked at the apostles. And they applaud in the trials. They applaud. The world applauds in the persecutions. Destined to die. Yet. All of life's continual trials. Paul's not alone and isolated. Well, when he was in prison, he was. But. He was out in the public arena. I'm telling you, this world watches the struggles of the Christian and they take great joy and applause in that. But let's get back to the angels here. First Corinthians four, verse nine. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels. What does that tell you? Angels observe Christians conduct. And in first Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 10, all the Lord is trying to point out to us is angels are watching how you worship. Angels are watching. And that's why he says, because of the angels. This calls all the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. They observe your worship. Why is that important? Culture has rejected the male and the female distinction. The line is continually being moved and the barriers are continually being pushed down of distinction. It's a push to have men act and look more like women, and it's a push to have women act and look more like men. It's a constant, it's a never ending power struggle. Now, through no fault of their own, our government has lost respect from the people of their authority, but at the same time, prior to all the junk, still. People have thumbed their nose at any type of governmental authority. Look at the school system nowadays. You have you have kids that don't respect the teacher's authority. And the type of language they use to them, that the way that they speak to them, there's no respect for authority. Children and parental authority is all about gone nowadays. The church tries to do its best to hold the line and help come alongside and support families. But if those families aren't establishing some authoritative rule in their own home, the preacher can only do so much. The school system can only, well, they're not doing much. <laughs> but some good churches are trying to do what they can. We need some good families to do what they can. Children should be, have, have respect for their parental authority. Employees the same way a respect for your authority. We have we are We're so far gone nowadays. Nowadays that someone came up with the absolutely with an absolute ridiculous idea of no police authority. Who in the world would come up with that idea? Just like we looked at Lucifer in Isaiah fourteen. And just like we look at the angels that followed him in Jude 6, the same principle applies. People don't like their position. And so they want to knock people out of their position because they don't want headship. They don't want authority. That's what 1 Corinthians 11 really is about. Headship and authority. The problem is what has been the result? Our schools aren't safer. Our towns aren't safer. I'd submit to you that our homes and our churches aren't safer because we have moved away from the idea of authority, the idea of headship. And nowadays we are in what is called moral anarchy in the church. Everybody just do what you want to do, believe what you want to believe. And certainly more matters than that would you agree Ephesians chapter 3 let's look at that verse Ephesians chapter number 3 verse number 10 Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 10 the Bible says Ephesians 3 To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See that? The principalities and powers in heavenly places. This is the, the, These are angelic beings incorporated here. And God wants the spectacle to be seen by the principalities and powers in heavenly places. They witness what we do. We saw in 1 Corinthians 4 9. And we know in Ephesians 1, it says, For above all principality and power and might and dominion, that every name that is named, and not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, that's Jesus Christ. He's far above all those powers and principalities because of the angels. The angels desire to watch God's redemptive plan and the angels watch. That's why it says in verse number 10, because of the angel. All right, how about Hebrews 1? Let's go ahead and turn over there if you would. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1 and 1 Timothy, chapter 5. Hebrews 1 and 1 Timothy, chapter 5. Do Hebrews 1 as the first verse. Look at verse number 13. Hebrews 1, verse number 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time? Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Sit on my right hand. Angels aren't asked to sit at the right hand. Angels aren't sitting; they're serving. <laughs> okay, who's sitting at the right hand? That's the Lord Jesus Christ, not the angels. Never ask them to to sit down. And ver, uh, verse number uh, verse number fourteen. Well, Back up and finish out verse 13 Sit sit on my right hand until I make Thine enemies thy Footstool God is exalted Not the angels the angels are serving We mentioned that and God Is exalted he's the redeemer Not the angels the angels Aren't the redeemer God is the redeemer Back up to the beginning of the chapter Look at verse Number four being Made so much better then the angels. Who's that? Jesus Christ, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hebrews is all about the Lord Jesus Christ being better. We looked a little bit at it Sunday school uh, last Sunday. We talked about He's a better tabernacle. When you go through Hebrews, Jesus Christ, it's a better everything, a better here, better than the angels. Lord Jesus Christ is above. Like we saw in Ephesians 1, all principalities and powers in heavenly places. He's above. Hebrews 1, uh, verse 4. He's better, so much better than the angels. But in verse number 14, the last verse, look what it says. Are they not all ministering spirits? They don't redeem They're not sitting on the right hand, and nor will they ever ask to sit on the right hand. They're serving, and they're commissioned by God. The reason is given that they are ministering spirits. Angels minister, and they're commissioned by God to do that. They watch, they desire to look, and they're commissioned by God to minister. First Corinthians 11 is simply revealing why is Paul given this truth from the Holy Spirit why is it penned down the angels are watching when you're worshiping God we say well what's the big deal about long hair versus short hair he makes the argument a headship he makes the argument from creation men and women created different now he makes the argument in one verse. Because of the angels. Simply because they have an intent and a desire to watch and look. How are you living your life? Because of the angel, We should live our life for God. All this verse is pointing out is angels are watching. First Timothy 5. First Timothy 5 verse number 21. I charge thee. First Timothy 5 verse 21. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Paul's charge to Timothy involves elect angels witnessing it. It seems like that's the implication to me. Paul's charging Timothy. Timothy's getting into the ministry. And the implication is angels are witnesses of it. looking upon. They're witnesses of it. They're, it's mentioned right here. What else you got on that? Nothing. Just that they witnessed it. Seems like the implication to me. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. We'll make some comments and then we'll close out with. Well, when we get there, I'll tell you. It'll be fun. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, there's nothing to be ashamed of when Christians accept headship, when they accept authority, when they accept the position that God has given to them. Today's day and age, this world doesn't like that. The church doesn't like it. But Paul's addressing this to the Corinthian church. Why do people have a problem with what God lays out? They hear it's a shame for, for uh, well, let's read it so I don't, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. Let's get our nose in the Bible. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Well, why can't I have my hair long? Well, see, that's why it's the it's the rebellion against. I just don't want God telling me what to do. Well, how long is long? You see, that's the problem. You ask questions like that because you don't like what God has to say in his Bible. Let's go to what it says. uh, In verse number 15, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Well, why don't I have to have long hair? Because God says it's a glory. Well, why is it a glory? We ask the wrong questions. How, How short is short? How long is long? It's interesting that you ask that question because God never gives you a millimeter, a yard, or an inch, or anything like that. He simply says long or short. The same way that he simply says in the garden, don't eat off of this tree. Don't eat this fruit. But why? What's the big deal? You see, that's why. Because we don't like the position that God has given us. And so we just want to be like a wild horse and just buck at it. So my question is, when we all ask questions concerning the Bible, specifically this chapter, is our question because we have rebellion in our heart toward the Lord and the position he gave us and the distinction he's trying to teach us? Or is our question, honestly, we just want to know. How come nobody asks this? How long would you have me grow my hair, Lord? How come no man asks this? Lord, how short would you like me to cut my hair? How come it's always, well, how come I can't have it long? How come I can't have it short? I don't know, because God said so. Our questions, the way that we ask the questions and what we ask comes from the desire of our heart. Do we want to know the Lord more and we what he would have us to do? Or do we don't want to just rebel against him? Well, I just like it. I just like having my short hair. It's just easier to fix up. It's not a fire hazard when I'm cooking in the kitchen. We come up with all. Look, I understand all that. But God says her hair is given for a covering. And a woman's long hair is her glory. That's her covering that God is distinguished between a woman and a man. That's why he wants a man to have short hair and a woman to have long hair. Why do I have to? Look, it's the same reasons you give your kids when they don't want to obey. Well, why do I have to clean my room? That's not in the Bible. Uh, Because of the angels, okay? (laughs) In other words, you don't like your position, you don't like the authority, and the angels are watching. That's what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians 11. Long hair versus short hair. Why? Because of the angels. They're watching. They want to see the distinction. They want to be able to glorify God because of it. Send the report or whatever else happens in there between the angels watching and us and the Lord. I don't know. All I know is, well, why do I have to? It's what a parent has to say to a child, because I told you to. Well, why? Because of the angels. That's why. <laughs> now, nobody says that, but I'm being sarcastic to make the point that, you know, the questions we ask matter. Okay. Now I told you I'd end with something fun, so I'm going to give it to you. How many of you have heard of the the Holy Magic Hair Doctrine? You're going to hear it first here tonight. You can't you can't teach this verse. Uh 1 Corinthians 11 verse number 10. You can't you can't go through this verse without talking about the holy magic hair, amen. That comes from the oneness Pentecostal group. You know what they say? And and some other apostolic groups or holiness groups. Anytime you hear Pentecostal or Apostolic, you just Pay attention, because something's about to come down. (laughs) But this Oneness Pentecostal, it's one of the groups that teaches that a woman cannot cut her hair. They've taken it beyond long hair. Oh, amen, you better not cut it. Cut the glory. And here's their reasoning. Oneness Pentecostalism teaches that you're being watched by angels and therefore you can receive power from them. And if they let the hair down, they have more power, they have more glory. And guess what else they have? More miracles. Where do you find that in the Bible, Brother Jimmy? You don't. <laughs> they, just, they just take a doctrine and they arrest it to their own destruction. And just make a mess Of the whole thing If the church has a prayer list if This is how crazy it gets If a church has a prayer list Instead of having one of the men come up and pray Or instead of having the preacher pray You know what they'll do They'll let the women with the long hair Let their hair fall over the prayer list And pray Because it's going to bring some type of I mean it's more It's more odds of getting the prayer answered Well, where do you find that in the Bible? You don't find it in the Bible. You find it in false religion. And that's what false religion does. They take the Bible and make it go haywire. It's not laying on of hands. It's laying on of hair. And you think I'm kidding. You go go look it up. Now, we had a guy back in New Jersey that was training with us. And it was right after, actually, I it sold my academy. But anyway, to get to the point, this guy claimed to be a Christian. But he wasn't a Christian. He was a oneness Pentecostalist. And he sincerely believed, and his preacher taught him, that if a woman cut her hair, or hence had short hair, which would mean how did it become short while well, she cut it? That she lost her salvation. You have heretical groups that tie salvation not only to an artificial covering that you put on your head. Be be careful about some of those Mennonite groups. Some of them, those women attach that you take that you take that artificial covering or that veil off. You are in danger of losing. If not, you have lost your salvation. There's other groups, these oneness Pentecostal groups. Some of them teach that if you, as a woman, cut your hair, you just lost your salvation. Who would come up with such a thing? You think that's crazy because you don't have to sit under that. Some women do. And some of them, out of fear of losing their salvation, (laughs) <laughs> Won't cut the glory <laughs> I mean that's what they believe aren't you glad that Aren't you glad that you don't have that type of bondage If they let it that's why they'll let it they'll put it up in a big bun or they'll, they'll wrap it And if, if they want something to happen man They'll take that thing off and if they wave their hair in the wind and they're praying and they're prophesying and Their hair is blowing toward that neighbor that's lost. Then there's a greater chance that neighbor will get saved. There's a greater chance that hair blowing toward the lost family member. Brother Jimmy, you're just making all this up. I'm not making it up. People believe this junk. Now they don't get it from the Bible. It's nowhere to be found. They all do the same thing to come up with something silly. They all run to the Greek. And so they'll do the same thing. Well, it, what it really, what the Bible is really saying is they can't cut their hair. Well, where do you get that? It's nowhere in the Bible. Well, you go to the Greek. What Greek? What definition of the Greek word? People will use all sorts of tactics to get you to doubt the word of God and then get into some type of false doctrine. Talk women into not cutting their hair. They just scare them. They can lose their power. They'll be at, at that risk of losing their children. They'll lose their spiritual anointing and possibly risk never getting it back. And so some women are caught in that type of bondage. Now, if you're a pagan witch, I can see all that just, okay, fine, I understand you're a pagan. But what did we talk about in the beginning? Lucifer is a light bearer. He brings forth light. In order to deceive. Let no marvel. Don't be surprised. That this type of false. Paganistic ideas. Come under the guise of. Church. Or come under the guise. Of Christianity. So there, there you have it. The holy magic hair doctrine. You have heard it first right here at pilgrim baptist first corinthians 11 look at verse number 10 for this calls off the woman to have power on her head because of the angels in the context of the chapter all paul is trying to teach is look the angels are watching there's a covering that's defined as long hair There's a covering, there's an uncovering that's defined in the context as short hair. And all Paul is saying look, the angels are watching. The distinction is important. It's not more important than your salvation. But nonetheless, that's all he's saying. Now, let me say this. Ladies, you can have long hair. And be full of hate. And there can be ladies that have short hair. And full of love. And look. There can be men. Men you can have long hair. And be full of love. And you can have the right haircut. Not touching the ears. Whatever you want to call right. And you can just be full of hate. This isn't an outward going in. This is an inward going out. And the same way that Satan is a deceiver, we shouldn't use our outward to deceive. That's what false religion does. So don't forget, people say, well, is that really important? Does God really care about it? Well, if it wasn't important and he didn't care about it, why did he put it in his Bible? Is it more important than salvation? No. No. If you're a Christian, you were saved. Now God wants you to grow and learn more. Well, what if I don't want to do it? Okay, then don't do it. You're not going to lose your salvation. I'm not going to try to scare you into doing something that you don't feel God wants you to do. But I will tell you this. There's no holy magic in your hair. <laughs> All that nonsense from the Pentecostal groups.